Well, Merry Christmas. My name is Dan, and today I get the privilege of taking a few minutes to share with you the message of Christmas. Most of us would know the story of Christmas. We've seen it in department stores. There's a little baby in a manger. He's surrounded by his parents and animals and shepherds and three wise men. And if you're lucky, you see a little star at the top and some angels flying around. The story of Christmas is that God gave his only son, Jesus, to earth as a gift. And that gift came as a baby. Jesus came to earth as a human baby on Christmas Day. That's the story of Christmas. But have you ever wondered why did Jesus have to come into earth as a human baby? Essentially, he was God. Can't God do everything from heaven? What is it that God could not do and even God had to come down to earth to give you and me? We see a clue to what God had to do on earth in two passages in the Bible. The first is a prophecy from the prophet Isaiah. And he says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The second passage that gives us a clue as to what he came to give us is found in Luke. This is the actual Christmas day, the day that Jesus was born. On the night that Jesus was born, there were some shepherds nearby tending to their sheep, and suddenly angels appeared to them and said, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill towards men. One day I was reading this passage and I saw something I never saw before. I saw that it was peace on earth that he came to establish. Jesus didn't come to earth to establish peace in heaven. There's already peace in heaven. He came to establish peace on earth. Here on earth, we have people struggling with all manners of trouble. There are wars between countries. There's natural disasters, victims of natural misfortunes. There are people who are sick. There are people who struggle emotionally as we just saw. There's troubles of all sorts. And men have tried their best to help. And men have done a lot. We have done a lot of crisis work, NGOs, human, humanistic efforts, medical advancements, psychology efforts. We have done many things to try and bring peace to men and thank God for all those efforts. The world is better because of them. But despite the best of men's efforts every year, all the time there are still people struggling and suffering in this world. And there is a peace, God says, that has no end. Where man comes to the end of ourselves, there is still peace from God. One time, I met a young lady. She was a Christian teenager and she suffered from anxiety, depression, and suicidal thoughts. In three months, in 90 days, she had attempted suicide 60 times. She'd been to the hospital so many times, they didn't know what to do with her. Her family were at the loss of what to do with her. Doctors, psychologists, social workers, occupational therapists, everyone had tried, but no one could help her lift that depression. One day, I happened to come across her, and we got talking. And because we were both Christians, we talked a lot about God. And at the end of our time together, when she went home, she felt a lot better, even happy, and she wasn't suicidal. 
So we agreed, we said, we'll do Christian counseling and we'll catch up once a week for 10 weeks to make sure she was traveling well. And I said to her, the next time you come, bring a Bible and bring a friend or a family member, bring someone with you to support you and to keep accountable of what we are talking about. The next week, she didn't turn up. Her father came in her stead and he stomped in the room and I got up to greet him, but I never got to say a word. Straight away, he pointed at me and he said, I can tell that you're not a Christian because you're an Asian. <laughs> and I got shocked. And then he said something that shocked me even more. He said, last week my daughter came home happy and I'm not happy about that. He said, we are Christians and as Christians, our relationship with God depends on our conscience and so as Christians, we are meant to be sad, not happy. But that doesn't make sense in my head. I'm thinking the Bible says that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. But I kept quiet and I tried my best to listen to him politely and for 20 minutes, he went on and on saying many things that didn't make sense to me. After 20 minutes, I prayed quietly to God in my heart and I said, oh Lord, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> so I gently interrupted him and I said, sir, how's your daughter? Is she, did she attempt suicide again? And he said, no. So I said, we might disagree on many different things, but what we can agree on is that we all want your daughter to get better. And he said, yes. And I said, let her come and have our sessions together. This is what we can do. I can't do it your way, but I understand that the Bible is important to you and your family. Why don't you come and you bring your family and your daughter and everyone, everybody can come together and every session you can witness what I'm saying to her. And everything I will say to her will be from the Bible and nothing but the Bible. And if I step out of line, you can stop me immediately. So he said, okay. So he left and the next week, the daughter came with her family members. And for 10 weeks, we went through her Bible. Not my Bible, not her dad's Bible, her Bible to see what her Bible said about God. And for the first time in her life, she realized that God wasn't an angry God trying to make her feel guilty and sad all the time, but God was a loving God. And that he loved her so much, he sent his son Jesus so that she could have peace and joy. And from the day that she realized that God wasn't an angry God, but God loved her, from that day until the day we parted, she never attempted suicide again. That's the peace of God that comes when we have a relationship with Jesus. It says Prince of Peace. Peace is not a concept. Peace is not a theory. It's not even the truth you read in some book called the Bible. Peace is a person and you find that peace when you have a relationship with that person. Imagine if there was a young man and a young woman and they were greatly in love with one another. Every day they look into each other's eyes and they smile. They think about each other, they go, ah, and they smile. And there's this lovey-dovey feelings between the two of them. That lovey-dovey feelings only came because they have a relationship with one another. If they never knew the other person existed, they would never have discovered such lovey-dovey feelings within them. In the same way, if we have never found Jesus, when we never had that relationship with him, we would never find that peace that comes into our hearts. It's a peace that you can't really explain, you have to experience it, but you only experience it when you invite him into your heart. It's not good enough to know that he just exists somewhere out there, there's a mighty God. 
a simple prayer would invite him in. We would say, oh Jesus, if you are real, Jesus, please come into my heart and give me that peace. And even such a simple prayer would be enough to invite him into our lives. So there is peace for our soul. There is peace for, for our mind and our hearts, our soul. But there is more than that. There is practical peace as well. In English, when we say the word peace, we think of an emotional state. Peace. But in the Hebrew and in the Greek, the words peace is shalom and irene. And the words peace in the Bible, the language that these two, uh, the, the, the Bible is written in Greek and in Hebrew, the word peace in the Bible refers to a holistic state of being. That means when I say that I'm at peace, everything about me is at peace. I have no trouble with the world. There's no one waging war against me. My body is healthy. Everything about me is at peace. It's a practical and holistic peace that includes an emotional state of peace, but so much more than that. And when we see that this child was given to us, and that child was called the Prince of Peace, when that child grew up, this baby called Jesus grew, grew up to become a man, we see that he did many practical things to bring peace to the people around him. He didn't just tell them about a theoretical peace, he gave them practical peace by practically changing the situations in their lives. One time, Jesus was in a boat with some people and there was a big storm. The storm was so bad that they thought they were going to drown. It's very hard to have peace when you think you're going to drown. And so they turned to Jesus and they said, oh Jesus, help us. And Jesus was really helpful. He didn't become all spiritual guru and go, hmm, peace is a state of the heart. Breathe in and breathe out, hmm. No, 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 he didn't do that. He said to the storm, be still, and then, after that, they were all amazed that he could control nature. How did he bring peace to the situation? He changed the situation. Another time there was a wedding and the couple ran out of wine. Running out of wine at the wedding is an embarrassing situation. It's not a life and death situation. It doesn't involve heaven and hell or eternity. It's simply a social embarrassment. But even then, Jesus saw fit to intervene and change water into wine. Many times we think the gospel is only good for life and death situations, heaven and hell stuff. But even more than that, Jesus loves us so much that even social situations, he would step into and change it because he loves us. There is peace, there is practical peace. One time there was a woman who had been sick for 12 years and she touched Jesus and she was healed. And before she left, he said to her these three words, go in peace. So healing was given to her so that she could go in peace. It's a practical peace. If you are struggling and you are sick, the best I can do as a human being is sit with you. I can't give you peace. I can suffer with you, but I can't give you peace. But Jesus is different. In the name of Jesus, miracles and practical miracles happen to change people's lives, to bring them practical peace. I like reading autobiographies and biographies. And one time I was reading the autobiography of Reinhard Bonnke. He's a great Christian man who served in Africa for many years as a missionary. And in his biography, there was an account of an African teenager by the name of David. David was 17 years old and he lived in the villages of Africa in Nigeria. 
and he came down from the hills to attend a meeting where Reinhard Bonnke was preaching. And in that meeting, he heard about Jesus and something stirred in him. So David invited Jesus into his life. And in the same night, he asked Reinhard Bonnke to pray for him that he would receive the Spirit of God. And so Reinhard Bonnke did. The next morning, David went back to his village. As he entered into the doors of the village, he saw a woman carrying her son and crying. And her son was down with high fever, the son was unconscious, and the son was very sick. Because they lived in a village and it was a small community, he knew her. And he knew that one week ago, the same woman had buried her older son from the same disease, the same sickness that her second son was now suffering from. And so he went up to her and he asked her, he said, mother, because in Africa, the term of endearment for an older lady is mother. He said, mother, can I please pray for your child? And the woman said, anything. So he laid his hands on her and prayed for healing in Jesus' name. Immediately, the fever left and the baby, the, the child opened his eyes and he said, mama, I'm hungry. He was healed. So this woman was happy. She put the child down and she went around saying, my child is healed. And she went to the village chief and she said to the village chief, chief, David prayed for my son and my son is healed. And the chief said, oh, I have a daughter and my daughter is sick. She is crippled. She has not walked a single day in her life. He said, call David. I want David to pray for my daughter. So David came and he pointed to the hut and said, my daughter is in there. Please go and pray for my daughter. So David went into the hut and he saw the daughter and it was described as a girl who was lying there with twisted legs. So he laid his hands and prayed for healing in Jesus' name and he heard sounds as bones and joints began to straighten. And outside the hut, the, the chief was waiting anxiously and for the first time in his life, he saw his daughter walk out to greet him. And then the chief said, David, for the next 10 days, I want you to preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus to every member of my village. And that was how revival began in that part of Nigeria. I read about the stories of Reinhard Bonnke and David, and I read the Bible, and page after page as I read, Jesus was doing practical miracles to change people's situations and life. And I found myself praying to God, I say, oh Lord, I wish that you would use me like that too. I wish with my own eyes I could see divine supernatural healing in Jesus' name. And after a while, God really sent me a sick person to pray for. She was a lady from a different church and she was very sick. She could barely walk. And until today, I have no idea why she came to me. I don't know her, she doesn't know me. And until that point, I had never successfully prayed for healing for anyone. But she came to me and she said, I want you to pray for me for healing. And in my spirit, I felt that was God. God was saying, this is it, you should pray for her. And when I saw her and how sick she was, part of me got very excited. I was really excited to see what God would do, but the other part of me got really scared because she was really sick. And I said, oh Lord, could not we start with something easier like a runny nose? I said, she is very sick and I'm beginner level. But nonetheless, she was there before me, so I figured I should pray for her. And so I started praying for her, and the moment I started praying for her, something happened in me. I experienced something I never experienced before. I felt the love and the compassion of God flow through me. 
I felt this great burden and this great sorrow for what she was suffering, and I began weeping and praying for her. And she began weeping and praying as well, and it was a mess. And off and on that day, we were weeping and praying, and I must have prayed for her over two hours, and in the third hour, she was completely healed. I learned many things that day. Yes, give God a hand. I learned many, many things that day, but one thing I caught from God, and I know without a shadow of doubt because I experienced it, is that when we are hurting, whether we are grieving over a loved one who passed away, grieving over our difficulties in life, a sickness, our children, when we are suffering and we are grieving, God grieves with us and He cries with us in fact, God actually feels it even more than the human being, if it's possible. You see, as human beings, when we are hurting, when we are grieving, when we are suffering, we put up defenses. We try to be tough. We try to tell ourselves, it's okay, this will pass. We try to ignore the situation, to push on. We put practical defenses so that we can go on in life. So we put buffers so we don't feel the fullness of it because it might overwhelm us. But God has no defenses. When God feels our hurt, He feels it 100% without any defenses, and He is weeping, literally hurting and weeping as we feel hurt. And as we catch that burden of God, we start weeping and weeping, and it's such a heavy burden. And then when faith and prayer meet together, and God's will is done on earth, when that miracle happens and that, that burden is lifted, it feels like an entire mountain just thrown off, not even slowly lifted off, just thrown off, and the whole atmosphere just becomes light. The person who is praying, the person who is being ministered for, everyone's jumping up and down and praising God, and if there's an exuberance joy in the air. And the peace in that situation, if I can put it in a very childlike way, that peace is like all the badness went out of that situation and there was only goodness that came into that situation. There was not even a single ounce of badness. It was just pure goodness of God in that situation. It's such a strong and forceful peace that all you can do is rejoice in God. That's God's will done on earth. I have no shadow of a doubt that it's God's great desire, not a small desire, but God's great desire that all mankind, every single human being on earth would experience peace on earth as it is in heaven. So there's a peace that will guard our souls, our heart and our mind. There's a peace that will change our circumstances. And now I'll leave you with one more. There's a peace that will give us eternal peace in God. And here I'm going to be quite brave. I've got 10 minutes left, but I want to share with you an aspect of Christmas that is not often shared about, and that is Savior King. When Jesus was born in the Bible, there were two groups of people who went to look for Him. One were the shepherds, and they were looking for a Messiah, a Savior. And the second was a group of wise men who were looking for a King. Both aspects were given on Christmas, Savior King. What is a Savior King? Theologians have written books about this. It can be as complicated as you want to make it. And what I'm going to try and do in the next five minutes is to explain what Savior King's in five minutes, because it can also be as simple as you make it out to be. 
For unto us a child is born. The reason he had to come to earth as a man, the thing that he could not achieve in sitting in heaven is that he wanted to take away our sins. But atonement for men can only be done by men. Not animals, not angels, not even God sitting in heaven can do an atonement for man's sin. It has to be man. Imagine if you committed some terrible crime and you're, you're in the human court before the human judge and everybody including you knows that you're guilty. The judge is just about to give a sentence, life imprisonment or death sentence, something terrible. And then your lawyer says, your honor, hold on, hold on. We have a substitute, it's a goat. Do you see this goat without blemish, your honor? This goat will go to prison on behalf of my client. The judge will say, get out of here. Prison is not a farm, prison is for human beings. Animals cannot take the place of a human. But if another man, another human being came and said, your honor, I did it. I take ownership of it. It was me. Because he confessed and took ownership of that crime, that sin, the punishment will fall on him. It can't fall on you because he's the one who owned up to it. He's the one who took it. And so the punishment would fall on him and justice being justice, the same crime cannot be punished twice. Once he has suffered all the punishments for that crime, you and I go off scot-free. That's what it means to be savior. And the Bible says that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other atonement that God will ever accept except the sacrifice of Jesus. And when that life that was given, for unto us a child is born, and to us a son is given. That life that was given was given so that that life might one day grow up and die for your sins and my sins. That's the Savior. And now we talk about King. In the same prophecy of Isaiah, it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there shall be no end. But do you notice that the word government and peace come together? Government means the rulership over you. Now imagine this. Imagine if a Russian man came to you today and he said, comrade, let's go and wage war on Ukraine. Let's go fight the Ukrainians. You will look at him and say, I'm not Russian, I'm Australian. Go find someone else. And he will have to go, okay, and off he goes. You're not obliged to live that way because you're not a Russian, you're in Australia. It's not about the person, whether the person is a good person or not. It's about the government that he's under. Even today on Christmas Day, there are good people in Russia who are waking up with a consciousness of war all around them. Their reality is war, not because they chose it, but because the government had chosen it for them. But here in Australia, today on Christmas Day, we wake up and we enjoy a good day. Whether we are a good person or bad person, we enjoy peace and we know we can do whatever we want today. Why? Because we have a good government who has chosen peace for us. When we accept Jesus as Savior in that moment, to all the spiritual forces in good and bad, we come under the government of Jesus and the government of Jesus is peace. It's a thing of faith. When I wake up every morning, I don't think, oh, today is trouble, this is gonna go wrong, and that's gonna go wrong, and everything's gonna go bad, and it's just trouble and trouble and trouble. No, 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 no. 
under the government of peace, I expect peace. I expect peace with the world. I expect peace in my family. I expect peace within myself. I expect peace in my mind and in my soul. I expect peace because I'm under the government of peace. Whether or not I like it, I have to have peace actually because I'm under the government. But the day that Jesus became my savior and my king, my life was placed in his will and his will is peace. He didn't come to bring curses, he came to bring blessing upon blessing over our life. That is the government of peace. The moment that you and I belong to Jesus is not when we die and we go to heaven. The moment that we belong to Jesus is when on earth, the very moment we confess that Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. The very moment that we begin to experience peace is not when we die and go to heaven. The moment that we started to experience peace on earth is the moment that we declare with our mouth, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. One day, the devil is gonna come to you and me when we die, and he's gonna say to us, comrade, let's go to hell together. And in that day, the Christian can say to him, go to hell by yourself, get away from me in Jesus' name. I belong to the government of peace. If I belong to Jesus on earth, I'm going to belong to Jesus even in heaven after life. Hallelujah. <laughs> Friends, listen to me, please. Jesus said this. If anyone would acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But if anyone denies me before men, I will deny him before my Father in heaven. One day, we will all leave this physical world, and in that day, we will either go to heaven or hell. It's too late to make the decision then. The decision of where we end up is done here on earth. That's why it said today is the day of salvation. It is today that we have to accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. It's too late to accept him after we die. We have to accept him here in the land of the living. He gave us Christmas, he gave us his life in this life so that we could have a chance to repent and accept him here in this life. Would you stand on your feet, please? Worship team, you can come back. I don't believe in luck or chance or coincidence. I believe that things are ordained by God. If you are here this morning, I don't believe you are here by chance. Many people have been praying that you would be here. Even if we didn't know you, we have been praying that those who need to hear the good news would be here so that you could hear about Jesus and you could have a chance to respond to him. As we sing this last song, I just want to invite two groups of people to come forward if you wish to. The first is, if you are here this morning and you have never accepted Jesus as your savior, you have never invited him into your heart, it's so easy, it's just a prayer away. I want to invite you to step out of your seat wherever you are, come down to the front, and after this song, I want to pray with you. The second group of people that I want to invite down Maybe you have been a Christian before. Maybe you gave your life to God before. Maybe you are still a Christian and you still come to church. But life happened 
and somehow inside of you, you know you fell out. You're not in the right place with God that you should be, and you don't have the peace with God that you should have. And if that's you, as we sing, I want to invite you as well, and I want to pray the same prayer with you. So whether you need to accept Jesus for the first time, or you need to accept Jesus and invite Him into your life again, as we sing, would you come to the front, and I would love to pray with you. Thank you.